0: Welcome to the Catholic Connect Podcast. I'm your host, David Scubin. This is a podcast for all Catholics and people of goodwill who strive to live in the world, but not be of the world. First and foremost, we need to be disciples of Jesus ourselves, and then we go forth and make disciples of all nations, just as our Lord commanded. Through a series of timely topics and great guests, we will take that long and narrow journey to heaven together, encouraging each other in faith and virtue along the way. So let's get started. Praise be Jesus Christ now and forever. Uh, We're very blessed to have this gentleman join us. He is a Calgary, Alberta-based Rebel News journalist, and he spent his life fighting to defend and share the truth. Whether it be upholding freedoms, fighting cancel culture, that's my favorite, or sticking up for small businesses, you can count on this guy to bring you the full story. And uh, yeah, just love that he can come on and, and be with us today. Most importantly, he's a family man, and he's our brother in Christ Welcome, Adam Sos, to the Catholic Canuck podcast. Adam, welcome.
1: Thanks so much. Happy to be here. So
0: you're a Calgary guy. I guess we better just, uh, you know, put our, our differences aside right away, but just put them out there as brothers in Christ. Uh, you're probably a Flames fan, right? And, and I'm an Oilers fan, so uh, is that the only thing we disagree on? I don't you know. know what? I mean, at first when I saw Catholic
1: Canuck, I thought you were a Canucks fan. You're the one thing worse. So uh, but we'll have to set it aside for the time being. <laughs> i was yeah. a flames fan but now they say i'm uh, that uh folks who aren't necessarily uh too keen on getting jabbed are allowed to, t- to attend their games so uh i'm a little apprehensive now to be honest but we don't need well, to get into that
0: well, i'm <laughs> sure we could do a whole episode just based on that alone right yeah. uh, especially when you've got an organization uh like the flames asking for public money to to uh build a great big new arena uh, yeah. i think that might be uh Another frontier of controversy coming up for pro sports teams, especially ones that are owned by the city or have some sort of taxpayer money uh, funding. There's big mega projects, but uh, yeah, I share, I share that with you, Adam. Uh, As a Catholic, I think we can agree that we want freedom for all and, you know, restrictions, you know, even if it's a government, Adam, I mean, the reason that the church has for centuries, uh, for something like even socialism, the the, the, the ideology of socialism, why is the Catholic Church, why have popes, why have uh, so many people in the church spoke out against it is because it's hard to get to heaven. It's the hardest thing we're ever going to do is to get to heaven. It's difficult. We need the grace of God. So when you have government interference and ideological interference, it makes it that much more difficult, right? So it's we should all be rallying together for freedom um, on these things and uh, even just going to a pro sports event. Uh, who would have ever thought it'd be such a tangle, right? Right. But uh, well, we're, I'm just so glad that you joined us out. I know you're you got a million things going on right now, but uh, before we get into uh, what we want to talk about, is is this great uh, initiative that uh, that you are behind with uh, Rebel News called RepairTheChurch.com? Uh, a lot of people don't know, but I actually kind of just stumbled on it because I follow you on Twitter. But uh, uh, not enough uh, people know about it, so I want to chat about that a little bit. But, uh, you know, we know that uh, the news cycles, they they keep churning no matter how good, bad or ugly it is. So, uh, but first tell us a little bit about yourself, Adam, tell us about your background and maybe how the seeds of faith were planted in your life.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, pretty typical story for me, kind of born and raised here, Um, grew up uh, kind of uh, remotely Catholic or Catholic in name, but it wasn't necessarily something I identified with. Um, actually, once I got into university, one of my professors actually studied with John Paul II. He was uh, Father John Czeska, Um, grew up in Poland, survived through communism, um, and he actually, he wasn't teaching me religion, he was teaching me politics and literature, um, but we started reading through some of the early church fathers, talking about uh, some sort of fundamental values and some heavily politically themed uh, topics, and I started being like oh no they're right about this stuff and maybe I should give this another little uh, consideration, so I got into Aquinas and John Paul II and some early Ratzinger stuff and all that and went down the typical path of uh, the college turned Catholic uh, person so uh, often even with my colleague Sheila gunn I was on her show she joked I'm probably the one person who like went into a liberal arts university uh perhaps less conservative and came out more conservative so yeah
0: well you know it's funny how that works we just had a gentleman named William Hemsworth who's a Catholic author and apologist based out of Arizona and he went to a Protestant seminary and how he encountered Christ in the church specifically was through the early church fathers mm-hmm. so it's interesting that you mentioned that uh Oh, that's uh, that's so good. Was there a favorite, um, uh, uh, I guess, author or some writings? Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, a few popes there, but was there was there one in particular that you really kind of latched onto and said, "This is this is some real rich, good stuff here from this uh, particular person."
1: Yeah, I mean, something that something that's really always stuck out to me was Saint Thomas Aquinas. Um, even like kind of my my middle name's Thomas, so I kind of arbitrarily picked. Thomas is my confirmation sort of saint, went through all that sort of stuff. So there's always that connection, but there wasn't really ever a good reason for it. It was just kind of, it was was a name and therefore it was fine. Um, But once I got into university, the whole notion of faith and reason sort of intersecting um, and and being able to rationalize, not simply um, accepting something, but being able to question it. And I worked in ministry for a long time as well. And one of my big sort of uh, paradigm shifts for me was that i wanted people to ask questions like people have been asking questions of the church church and the faith for 2000 years and despite many errors on behalf of the people in the church the actual doctrine has remained sound and unchanged since the time of jesus so uh the, the there's this fear i think often it's people who probably aren't catechized properly um, they don't know the answers and so their response is out of fear which we're not supposed to be afraid but out of fear to just say well this is the way it is and just accept it um i would go into schools and just hang out and say what questions do you have i'd hang out for a couple hours with no talks prepared just being willing, willing to answer questions. And it was very much an intersection of faith and reason. So it stemmed from that background and some of those things I read. But I think the fact that with this priest, um, he wasn't driving or trying to push religion. He was just talking about common sense. And then we came into this um, really spoke to me. And I think for many people, I think if you're within a sort of traditional Catholic family or you're very Catholic, you've attended youth group your whole life, um, traditional youth group or uh Catholic activities might appeal to you, but for someone from the outside with questions, it might not necessarily be the best way for you to come into your faith. So that entire approach uh just spoke to me.
0: Well, faith and reason is, is just is so so paramount and so important. And I mean that you know Thomas Aquinas you know, calling him Thomas, right? I mean it's mm-hmm. it's a, really a way of a way of living. It's a way of, of praying. It's a way of uh of interacting and communicating with other people too. So I'm really glad you mentioned that. That's uh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you found it too, but I know that the approach uh, I find of, of Catholics and it, it should be this for us is not to go out and say, I'm going to evangelize you. You know, you're, you're coming to the church. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to beat you in an argument. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's so important that we plant the seeds of faith because there is, there's going to be the times when people come up to us and they're going to be, they're going to be looking for an answer but it's going to be the Holy Spirit really leading them to us. And I always say yeah. that we should never pray for opportunities to, to share the gospel. We should pray that we can recognize the opportunities. And if we do an examination of conscience every day, which we should, I know I don't and I should do it every night, like we're encouraged to do. But, you know, when you look back throughout your day and like, I can't believe I missed that opportunity and that opportunity and that opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, and just when you think, oh, man, maybe I'm not in the right place at the right time. But you, then you realize that you are. And yeah. you had those opportunities, but you just, you know, you just weren't recognizing the grace when it was, uh, when it was coming your way. So well, no, that's to, your, so to, your, interesting. to your point
1: there, Bishop Henry used to always say, uh, like he was an avid golfer. So he would use this analogy of like, if you, if you sit someone down and sit the rule book for golf in front of them and, and start explicating all the details and going into uh, birdies and eagles and everything like that, pretty quickly, the person's going to be pretty pretty disinterested. Um, but if you take them out to the driving range and they connect on a few and you leave it at that and kind of let that seed, as you mentioned, uh, kind of take root, and then they'll come back and say, so how exactly do I play this? Um, so that was his advocacy, uh, his, his methodology um, was was show people the beauty of the faith, but don't push. Uh, often we can be a little myopic, or we can get very caught up in the nuance um, of faith. And it's stuff that that's it's kind of inside politics. It doesn't apply to people who are maybe just on the outskirts of it. And I've uh, I'm I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan as well. You look at something like Mere Christianity sure. uh, with Rebel News. I've had the opportunity. I've covered many of the pastors and spoken with them and got to know their families who've been arrested throughout the COVID uh, situation. So different faith backgrounds, but it's incredible. Once push comes to shove, how much is actually in common? and how much they've managed to, uh, don't need to go into full exegesis of uh, (laughs) um, uh, mere Christianity, but how much they've adopted so much of the the heart of Christianity um, in a very sort of transparent way. Um, The other thing there that I'd like to mention too, as well is I'm a big like theology of the body advocate, and it's incredible. Um, When you look at the needs and the confusions and some of the questions within society, um, very often I find that we as Catholics can sometimes get caught up in uh, promoting what we're interested in or our particular passion without consideration um, of what other people need um so i think for example there's a massive hunger and need for for theology of the body in the world right now maybe there isn't quite so much an appetite for other things that we're deploying a lot of resources into um so i think if we can kind of sh- change our approach and respond to needs as they present themselves um, we can be far more effective and i think that we can continue to talk but i think that openness towards answering the calls that do appear to us out there, um, is part of what read, led to something like repair the roof or some of the other initiatives we're working on.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right too. And, and I think, uh, like you said, you know, there's so much that we share in common with other uh, us as Catholics that we share with other, um, these Christian communities, uh, these ecclesial communities that are, that are uh, close to us. And I found that throughout this, uh, this virus, this crazy virus thing that, uh, um, we need to stick together, and, and there's a, there's a couple things that we can do to to work together on. It. I think one is is the the pro life movement, and and mm-hmm. uh, we we have so much in common, and that is the the biggest issue to me. And that's why, as we record this, Adam, it's it's right in the middle of this election, uh, uh, you know, the debate season here. With uh, our election is only a week or two away here as we record this, but uh, you know, I had to roll my eyes because our uh, our apostate. Unfortunately, our apostate Catholic prime minister uh, mentioned yesterday uh, during the French language debate when he was asked a question from a a journalist from uh, Rebel News that uh, accusing Rebel of disinformation, misinformation, not following the science. And how fresh is that from a guy that refuses to acknowledge that life begins at conception Mm -hmm. in a country that has no laws to prevent abortion at any time? Yeah. And goes out of his way to discriminate against pro-life organizations. I mean, talk about not following the, silence, the mm-hmm. science. Yeah. Especially when a federal
1: court has now disagreed with him twice and insisted that we be allowed in. And the, the madness about that is at 2019, we won already. Um, so they didn't like learn their lesson. What they did is they hired seven lawyers, changed the rules and basically formatted them. So I think a total of 16 journalists were denied. They allowed like Vietnamese state media in communist state media. They allowed German media, everyone under the sun, Um, but their requirements were of the, of the 16 people denied, 11 were rebel news. Um, and we want to go in there. I don't know what imagined dragons they are battling, but we asked reasonably fair questions. Um, and our entire plan was just to ask election-based questions until people started uh, condemning us or refusing to answer questions. So, I mean, it's, it's as though they haven't learned at all from two federal court rulings. Uh, and the federal court rulings were succinct and they were basically Uh, Like the the judge was not pleased with this second legal battle and was not having much patience at all with Justin Trudeau's uh, lawyers, because obviously this is the second time the judges had to intervene and uh, allow us in so yeah there's certainly a ton of misinformation there, not to mention uh, often they're calling like merely asking questions or providing alternative voices, um, disinformation. We're not out there. We have a strong journalistic line on, on cutting off misinformation. There's been numerous instances of people going very viral with content that turned out not to be true, and we never reported or covered it. We immediately sent it to experts or judges to see if there's any validity to that. We are we may not agree with Mr. Trudeau, but we are valid journalists by every stretch of the metric. In fact, one of the big points of contention they had was suggesting that we have a conflict of interest because of activities we do. They call it, They said we were protagonists in our stories, which I would agree to the extent of repair the church, we raised funds to repair a church. Um, They didn't reference that one though. They tried to exclude other examples, Um, but yeah, they're they're paying billions of dollars to news agencies they support and they think there's no conflict of interest there. And then we're independent journalists crowdfunding. So it's, yeah, it's kind of a, a surreal time to be involved in journalism, certainly
0: hundred percent. You know, even the catechism of the Catholic church, Adam, it says, uh, you know, that the, the evil, the evil one, the devil, attacks and, uh, and targets politics, media and education. It mm-hmm. says right in the, in the catechism of the Catholic church. So as Catholics, we need to be aware of these things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess that leads me sort of, cause it is related to this, this great project that, uh, that you put together at repair the com. Um, it's, it's what the great Archbishop Venerable Archbishop Sheen said is that there's two camps in this world There's the camp the, the, the kingdom of light the kingdom of Jesus Christ And there's the kingdom of the evil one There's the kingdom of sin and the devil yep. And I see this this influence of Marxism Adam this influence of, of Marxism That's that's taken root as socialism and communism We're seeing that with the way our federal government cozies up to the Chinese Communist Party uh, We're seeing this uh, in several instances um the the church burnings that we've been seeing here uh, over the last couple months uh it's been stunning uh you know up here I'm uh, based out of Fort Saskatchewan uh, one of our most beautiful churches in northern Alberta was the uh, the church in Warrenville when that went up in flames uh, that caught my attention uh, that's when I realized truly in my heart that this is not an issue of uh, you know First Nations versus everybody else this is an issue of, catholics christians people of goodwill versus the forces of evil uh, there are so many members of the first nations uh, across canada and we can talk about this in a few minutes that that are catholics that are lovers of mm-hmm. our lord jesus christ and uh, we had charles coulomb uh one of the, a great author and another podcaster too and he made the comment that baptismal water runs thicker than blood And i just i love that mm-hmm. and uh um what were your thoughts when you first, you know, you, know, you kind of hear the news of um, you know, the residential schools, which obviously we have, there is a sad history that, that's mm-hmm. out there, but at the same time, uh, a lot of information that's already been known about for many decades, apologies that have been issued many decades ago, come back to light. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it was the timing of all this was, as I found very odd and nefarious. Mm. Uh, but yeah, what were your thoughts when you first started seeing all this vandalism and, and burnings of these churches and mostly Catholic, but other denominations as well?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a clear, and this is, I mean, the original, what happened in the residential schools originally, uh, is the most repugnant part, but taking that and retroactively politicizing it right before an election to try and, uh, bolster, uh, resentment towards certain communities is absolutely despicable. Um, I'm I'm reluctant to speak on this too much beyond what I've heard from First Nations communities. Um, I'll speak certainly on the perspective of churches, but when we go out to these First Nations communities, which I've been out to, most people who are attacking these churches or uh, waxing philosophical on this issue have probably never been out on First Nations land, or spoken with First Nations people, um, I see them jumping to professors at Queens and uh, sociologists at universities, but they're not talking to chiefs and people who are members within these communities. Um, so, but yeah, there's there's clearly been a politicization, and um, we've seen often it's uh, non non Indigenous people who are going out and setting these fires, uh, sometimes. In uh, First Nations churches, um, so the politicization is is tragic. Um, it was bolstered. Mr. Trudeau accuses us of bolstering uh, a division, and with with rhetoric, um, he, he wouldn't so much as tweet in opposition when something like sixty five churches had either been vandalized or uh, burned. So uh, he he very much was inciting this. And while this was happening, he was continuing to take these repugnant photo opportunities at these sites. Notably, he's not done anything since. He kind of rode that wave and he's moved on. Similarly to the fact that he's not provided fresh drinking water for these communities, he simply doesn't care about them. But he's happy to politicize them and use their suffering as a, as a token. I would love if he would actually do something for these people. Um, Calgary, the Diocese of Calgary, for example, operated no residential schools, not a single one. There was four in southern, uh, southern Alberta that were operated by the Oblates, they have issued a formal apology, there have been numerous formal apologies by the diocese, um, as well as the organizations, the Oblates, um, in addition to Pope uh, uh, Benedict, as well as a number of other popes. So it's, it's there has been no end of apologies, but we saw 13 churches targeted in the city, uh, one with arson, apparently one with another attempted arson, but it wasn't reported, and the numerous incidents of vandalism, and what can only be categorized as hate, and if it was to be occurring against any other faith community, the entire The government would have deployed the army and it would have been a national crisis and everyone would have been tweeting left, right, and center. But they simply didn't care, so the politicization and the radicalization of people against Christians is undeniable. We also saw this with the arrest of pastors. We know for a fact, within minutes of where these churches were gathering, other groups, and we're not here to say, oh, go go after them too. We want people to be able to worship in freedom uh, and not be harassed by the government. But other groups, even though file, uh, complaints were filed and everything, they were absolutely left alone. But Christian pastors exclusively in Alberta, and quite a few of them were arrested, ticketed, Harassed, so I I think that there is undeniably a, a spirit of hostility towards the kingdom of the good, as the venerable Fulton Sheen would say.
0: Absolutely, and and you know I think that um, you know there was a and I I just stumbled across this story too, as I was on Facebook. This happened. I don't know if you even you heard about it, Adam, but about three or four weeks ago, the there was a uh, a parish on a First Nations uh, community up in the diocese of Guard McClellan. So for for our international listeners, this is in northern Alberta. It's a little, I don't want to say it's secluded, it's, but it's a more rural diocese, I guess, right? Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the bishop up there had just a, just a beautiful picture of him with uh, probably about 20 First Nations youth, and they're, they're just beautiful children, and they were all confirmed at him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, the, uh, but the, uh, I guess the, the story with it with the, that the bishop had posted there was that uh, that picture was only taken a mere days before that church was burned down. And, uh, and you hear uh, so many voices, these, these, uh, these voices that, uh, I always see Marxist voices, these, these voices that are definitely not of the kingdom of God saying, you know, somehow the Catholics deserve this. Yeah. But, uh, I would love, I would love for one of those, one of those cowards to go up there to those children after they were confirmed and after their, their church is lying in ashes and say that, that those kids deserved for their
1: church to be burned
0: down. Well, you know, it's just it's just appalling, isn't it, Adam? Like And it's like
1: you look at the Vietnamese church here in Calgary. Um it's there's a Filipino community in there, a Vietnamese community. These are basically all immigrants, largely people who have escaped countries that persecute Christians. They've come to Canada as their land of milk and honey to pursue religious freedoms and be Christians, and they're greeted by bonfires and indifference, by like like literally like books being burnt, their buildings being burnt, um, society shifting. The people who are most concerned about this are people who've grown up in communism, people who have experienced persecution and the people condemning them are people who've lived in Canada most of their lives probably collecting Serb right now, um, and, and they, they, they don't know the suffering that goes on in the world and the reality in the world. They think that these people are naive for suggesting that Marxism is coming. But I think it was Fulton who said that the end result of socialism and con- communism is the dehumanization of the human spirit. It Indeed. reduces us to less than humans. And look what's happening in society. These people's churches are being burnt, and nobody cares because they're not people, they're just Christians. And I don't uh, that may sound like dramatic language, but I don't necessarily think it is because look at the lack of response to unprecedented attacks on a faith community across the nation.
0: The the proof is right there for everyone to see. And it's it could be very discouraging for sure. So but you know what? Let, let's let move on to the, the good news. And I yes. think that there is because we've got you know, we've got our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the king. Mm-hmm. He's always going to be the king. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who the prime minister or the president is. You know, And we've got we've got a great mission. Uh, not just you and me, Adam, with our families and with our, our friends and our communities, but uh, all Catholics and people of goodwill. I want to talk to you about RepairTheChurch.com. Yes. Uh, I said, uh, I tweeted out to you that uh, it's so good to see that, uh, that you, Adam, and Rebel News, you've uh, become virtue doers instead of virtue signalers. <laughs> and because uh, we see a lot of virtue signaling going on. So I want to talk about this project This happened at the uh, the Cetina. First Nations, and that's just mm-hmm. uh, a, a community that's just outside of Calgary. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about the project? How did how did it start? Uh, was that, uh, is there a story behind just the uh, the beginnings of uh, of even making that initial visit?
1: Yeah. the community yeah there is and it's interesting like i myself am catholic but it, it it wasn't that i was targeting a catholic church it was strictly coincidental um we were down at the calgary stampede actually covering it it was one of the first sort of major events that opened up i um, mean we went down to the elbow river camp which is the it used to be sort of incorrectly called the indian village but it's now the elbow river camp and it's where first nations communities kind of share their culture uh quite a few i think it's 10 or 12 first nations communities um, from across Alberta and Western Canada are present. Um, they're doing dance and cultural exhibits and they have their teepees on display. Um, so we showed up there, we kind of caught some footage, got some b-roll, and then the first person we talked to was Ruby Starlight Sitting Eagle. So we have a video of that. All this stuff, all the videos are linked at repairthechurch.com. Um, So we talked about the residential schools and she said, yeah, it's like terrible. I wish it would have never happened, but she kind of had more of a measured response. Um, And most of the people we ended up talking out there were, were rather measured. They said, well, we've known about this for a long time. We're not sure why they're stirring it up, but this is like a hurt that we've been working on for a long time. And there's some questions about why it's being stirred up. Um, but we, we talked about that and we wanted to get sort of her, her opinion on it and clearly uh, a tragedy what happened there. She also relayed that what's being reported isn't necessarily the facts and that um, the nightmare picture that people are painting um, isn't what happened at all residential schools. So she was actually like very nuanced and was probably more informed than your average uh, person who wouldn't have experienced that or wouldn't have her family uh, live through something like that because she's heard the stories first hand. Um, So then we started talking about what is happening at churches, the the targeting of churches, the vandalisms, and even the arsons, Uh, and she was categorical in her condemnation of that, and very quickly she actually told us that the uh, church, it's a Catholic church owned by Tsutina First Nation, Um, her grandfather and some other elders in the community actually built the church so her grandfather built it and it would belonged to their community um and she said it'd be nice if you guys could come out and see my grandfather's church sometime we of course that, that was an, an extreme honor and we were, we were happy to tell these stories um so we, we scheduled something and we went out and she took us through the church um the story of the church is actually incredibly fascinating um we spoke to her as well as another uh, gentleman named Bruce, um, who knew the story in more detail. But basically, there was a standard sort of pilgrimage between two of the older churches back in the early 60s and long before that. Um, Throughout the week, they they weren't sure exactly which day, but kind of the week surrounding Ash Wednesday, there'd be a pilgrimage. Um, So they were walking from the old tiny little Catholic church to, I believe, an Anglican church. And as they were walking on their way, they actually had a vision of this Catholic church exactly in the spot on her grandfather's land so he allocated that land for the church and they started fundraising so it was so interesting like there's this mentality that it's like the catholic faith like thrust itself upon these people and they did not want it there was certainly some of that but in this case it was extremely distinct um we went out to the six fire as well and the universal sentiment from these people is that it's their building and they feel personally attacked when something happens now this church had not been attacked. There'd been a break-in, but it, it, it seemed coincidental, likely not part of this string of attacks. Um, but she talked about uh, the building coming together, the community that was using it, um, the, the, some of the art that went on the outside of the building, the artists worked with the local community to determine how they should get this all right. So this church, as it was realized, as you see in the video, was like basically a vision as it was laid out. Um, Bruce, one of the uh, elders in the community there, um, I don't know if he's an official uh, titled elder per their election system, but certainly a representative of the community, um, also shared that uh, that it, that they, I think he used the term, we weren't heathens at contact, like they had core principles and doctrines and laws and rules. And when Christianity came for them, they realized that Jesus was the manifestation of these principles that they held on to. So for them, their, their notion of creator was God, and Jesus was the sort of manifestation of all their values. So they were very adamant that this is not some foreign thing thrust upon them, but in fact, integrated into their culture. And it was something that they had inherently believed all along. Um, But the sentiment was that, uh, that some christian folks had come in and thrashed their sweat lodges and then other more progressive people in society were coming in and burning churches um and they're saying we need to respect each other and not be destroying our sweat lodges or our churches it's important for us one, one of the things that really struck struck me was when he said uh, white people often talk about us but they don't sit down and have tea with us they won't have a conversation they're not becoming our brothers in christ they're not walking with us they're often this like uh lateral entity. And he's like, we need to stop that. We need to come together. Um, as we were wrapping up that visit outside the church, um, unfortunately, there had been as, as you probably know, there's a lot more death out there than we experience in city life. Um, it's it's it can be a hard life. Um, there had been a funeral. So we weren't able to get inside the church. But uh, Ruby mentioned, it would be nice if we could do something to sort of honor my grandfather and get this church back into some of the, the condition it used to be in immediately. I looked over at my cameraman and kind of gave a nod like we have to do something on this absolutely. So that's that's what kind of got us out there and got us thinking about what we could do to help out the church.
0: That's so that's so great. And mm-hmm. I mean uh, you know you look at even something uh, like the uh, the Lac Anne Pilgrimage out here in Edmonton, mm-hmm. uh, the Edmonton area I should say. It's about uh half hour, 45 minutes where tens of thousands of First Nations people come and uh, yeah. I, I say to people this is a pilgrimage. This isn't uh, and a weekend at the lake to to hang out and uh you know uh, uh play lawn darts uh, yeah. this is a pilgrimage that uh, people uh take a great time and expense to come to because of their faith in Jesus Christ yeah. and the very fact that we see all these first nations uh communities having catholic churches right on uh, right amongst them in their communities shows you that the truth and reconciliation works both ways mm-hmm. and uh and and the uh you know uh it it's been it's, it's in the community. The church is in the community to to journey with with everyone, yeah. with every Catholic. And uh, to see that, uh, that they had this church, I think it's called Our Lady of Peace, I believe, Adam. Correct. Uh, just just shows again that uh, the church is not not forcing uh, on anyone. Mm-hmm. This is something that this has been embraced, just like Jesus. You know, he draws himself to or draws us to himself. And he does the same for for all people whether you're uh, where, wherever you're from so so good so so you see that there's uh there's an issue did, did they mention yeah. specifically the roof or did you see it and
1: you said well, okay, that's something so, that you want to do so we we wanted to try on it to kind of touch base with the boss and kind of see what was a possibility for us to do um so but the one thing that i do want to touch on i think you said that perfectly that really sort of impacted us um when we were out at uh, uh holy trinity i believe on six They actually had all the shoes inside kind of near the altar Um, and they sort of had an animal skin underneath and stuff, nothing pagan like that, but it was just um, sort of a a healing opportunity. They didn't want it to be something left out in the rain. But when you talk to the local people there, it's extremely interesting. We often think of those shoes being put out there as a sort of visceral protest against the church, their mentality. Certainly there's an air of, uh, we need to be made aware that this happened and it wasn't, right. But when we asked the people in the First Nations territories what it was about, they said that it was as much, not everyone, but many said that it was as much about uh, praying for those people praying for those children and having the church be part of that healing process as well. So it isn't all just hatred and vitriol. Uh, The church, that building is part of the healing process. Um, And it's not the politicized version, but it's the authentic truth and reconciliation where instead of passing policies that don't mean anything, it's people walking together as brother and sister in Christ, working on authentic reconciliation rather than politicized reconciliation. Right. Um, So yeah, so we called, uh, we just wanted to make sure that we we weren't stepping on any toes or intruding, we wanted to do everything uh, as best we could. So we immediately called the Diocese of Calgary, um, after speaking to Ruby as well, and talked to the local parish priest uh, from the a joint church that serves uh, the Tsutina Nation um, about whether they own the building or the band or what the sort of logistics were, they were like 100%. um, It's up to the chief and it's up to the First Nations community because it's their building. Um, But maybe just we can offer some suggestions as to what they've said is problematic out there. So I called uh, the local priest and he said, well, I know the roof leaks and there's a couple broken windows um, and then maybe some pest issues. Um, So after we got that from him and told him we were going to go and do this, he said, wonderful, the diocese gave us their blessing. Uh, uh, On their end, anyways, we had to do the important work, which was touch base with uh, the chief. So we actually sat down with Chief Chief Roy Whitney and we got we explained everything we wanted to do, talked about kind of the full coverage we offered to let them see any sort of coverage we've done so far on the matter um and collaborating with him and his assistant um we met with them we filmed an interview and uh, got their blessing to proceed they were very grateful uh, they put us in contact with regina crowchild and it's it's incredible these families like crowchild road is regina crowchild's family like one of the major roads in the city right. uh the starlights the massive swath of land like these are massively influential families in in these circles and in the history of 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 the place. So we're we're driving up on Crowchild Road to go see Regina Crowchild. Um, She's effectively the the caretaker. So she has the keys, she opens up every week. Um, She kind of takes care of the building. Um, So we met with the chief and got permission and she became our sort of key contact. Um, So we went back, went into the church, looked around um, and we did determine indeed, uh, there was a bit of a pest problem, a broken window, but the roof was leaking and it was absolutely falling apart. Um, So called uh, Ezra. Uh, my boss and said, listen, can we do this? He said, 100%. Yeah, we're doing this for sure. So he was on board entirely. Um, We got a quote for the roof and got all those things moving. And then we launched a campaign to raise the funds for the roof. And it took like less than 15 hours to blow past our target and fund the entire roof project. So from, from inception to getting the job done, it was less than like a month and a half. Um, and that there's a new roof on there, so the work is done now. Um, incredible! The, the The community is so happy. Um, we we've spoken to Ruby as well as Regina um, about the work, and they're so happy to have that done. Uh, we also, because of the pest problem, reached out to a pest company, Peregrine Pest Control. Um, they were going to do all the work for free, then they came out, and it looked like 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 it was there's pocket gophers and lots of mice and wasp nests and tons of ants. So like it was looking like it was going to be like 1500 bucks where the pest control was going to take a year. So they're like, oh, well, we'll figure this out. We're going to do it like half off for you or something like that. It's like, okay, thanks very much. We really appreciate that. When they send the final quote, it's absolutely zeroed out to $0. So they just completely took care of the place. They're going to be doing pest control out there, getting them back in a good shape. And another local glass company in Calgary when we reached out to them, uh, they didn't want any sort of not- any notice or any attention. Uh, but it was a custom window so they had to come out and measure it make a new piece of glass. They're going to go install that. They're building the glass now. They wanted no credit and they're doing that absolutely for free as well. So pest control, window replaced, brand new roof, no more leaks. Uh, yeah, it's, it was pretty awesome how quickly everything came together.
0: Yeah, that's that sounds like such a blessing to be a part of that, right? And you see yeah. the the goodwill of people that, uh, you know, I, I, and you don't you never see that in the media, Adam, right? Mm. We don't see that in the mainstream media. We see all the negative. We see it yeah. all the time. But for you and and uh, and uh, Rebel News to to get together and get the, you know, really just it's crowdfunding, right? I mean, it's yeah. just getting getting the listeners and the viewers together and to see that that outpouring of support for such a noble cause. Again, mm-hmm. just virtue doers, man. Do we need more of that not only in the church, but also in the world. And, uh, man, that, that must've been, that's so great. And, yeah. And I love the, uh, you know, just interviewing some of the, you know, the community members there and, and, uh, the, you know, they could sell that the faith was so, so strong and, yeah. and uh, deeply rooted in their hearts for them to have, um, someone reach out some other, some folks from outside the community come and say, Hey, can we help you something practical, you know, mm-hmm. and just putting that new roof up and what that means. And, you know, we talk about, uh, about reconciliation and, uh, I can't think of, uh, of a a better of a better step from when it comes to 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 looking out for churches and and places that are sacred to uh to all catholics and Mm -hmm. particularly this uh this particular church as well so um so what's next for for this this seems like such a great idea yeah uh have you guys thought about maybe maybe looking at some other churches some other buildings to see if there's some other work that could yeah um reaching out yeah
1: so one uh we do want to ensure that we are giving these communities a voice and that it's not just people speaking on their behalf clearly we're not into the identity politics i think that intelligent people can have conversations on issues that affect them or other communities and i think it's important that we do but uh, I think that very often people are talking from the outside. We tell the other side of the story, so we actually want to go out there. Um, we actually wanted to go to the Lac Saint-Anne. Pilgrimage and cover that, but obviously with everything now, it's been delayed. So we're probably going to do that next year. Um, I do have other plans and work. It's probably too early to address it, but we plan on doing some uh, big things for some of these communities, certainly. Um, we've been so fortunate, and I think on the note of the virtue-doers, this is one of those kind of open and shut, like, it's it's a beautiful story, but I, I think I have to give credit to the team, Ezra Levant, um, some of the other people at Rebel News. Uh, we took on 2,400 cases of people who got sort of excessive uh, tickets. So whether it be, there was a man in Montreal who pulled his mask down on a train to use face scan, and he received a ticket. There was a guy uh, in Ottawa fishing out in the middle of the lake alone, ice fishing in the river there rather, Um, he received a ticket. Um, When we talk about this battle between good and evil, there are 2,400 people who would not have been able to fight back and would have had to pay these $500 to $1,300 tickets. We've taken on those 2,400 people and we're paying for all of their legal fees, thanks to crowdfunding from our viewers. So their generosity extends far beyond the $15,000, $20,000 for a roof. it, they, they're they're literally take, paying for lawyers for 2,400 people. Um, to go back to the start of the conversation, uh, we talked about uh, vaccine passports and some of these freedom rights. We're currently working on taking on at least 20 cases, but I know the hope is potentially to do more to help people whose fundamental dignity is being attacked and their medical privacy and right to bodily autonomy is being attacked by these government policies. So these maybe aren't as... Uh, nice feely as as repairing a, a roof on a, on a church, but they're absolutely vital to defending fundamental charter rights in this country. So I know that's not necessarily as fun or as cheery, but I think it's absolutely vital that we be virtue-doers in that regard as well. Sometimes those boring legal battles are the ones that help determine the fate of a nation, so I'm very proud of that work we're doing. Um, But yeah, we want to continue to give voices to anyone who's on the other side of the story, Um, people who have been marginalized, people who have been maligned, um, people even like ourselves, who have been excluded when we have every right to have our voices heard. So we want to continue to be that uh, platform that gives people on the outside of a a voice. Uh, Even if it comes to Cuban protesters protesting communism, lots of those communities will only speak to us now because we don't twist their story. These church pastors who were arrested, they only trusted us to not twist their story. And that's what we're going to continue to do, regardless of what Mr. Trudeau or anyone else said, is is tell the truth and tell stories without twisting the facts. But yeah, I, I certainly appreciate that sometimes we can step away from all that seriousness and just do something good, like helping out a church. I think it certainly matters. Um, we are the Easter people and therefore we need some of that joy in our life. So we can't forget the resurrection. Oh,
0: indeed. That's, that's well said. And just you know, like, know, uh, like our Lord says in is John chapter eight, you know, and you're saved by the son, indeed you are free. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Christendom and, and Christianity, even though we do live in this, this post Christian world, uh, the influences of, of Christendom are alive in all of our individual hearts, mm-hmm. you know, the baptized, those ones that are living in a state of grace and living in a right relationship with God and how we can reach out. You know, I was thinking about the, um, you know, the, uh, the Catholic, well, it's a principle, a general principle, one that the Catholic church has promoted for centuries and that's subsidiarity and that's helping out people at a local level. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's exactly what, uh, what you're doing, Adam. And, and what, uh, what the rebel is doing now, which is, uh, really encouraging to me. And, uh, it's great to see that example. So, uh, Adam, i appreciate this conversation. I hope we can catch up with you again. Uh, before we let you go though, can you tell us uh, where people can follow you and, uh, uh, yes, yeah, some other places on social media that they can contact you at.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think first, if you don't mind though, I would like to encourage people. One of the things we're encountering out there, um, is that people are afraid and it's, It's a long-held tradition in uh, Christian faith uh, that you should be not afraid. I want to encourage people out there who maybe uh, have not taken an active stance, um, have not become active. And it doesn't have to be in the same things we're doing, but in doing something good in the community. um, I encourage you to to be not afraid, to go out there, to make that difference in the world, uh, because you're here for a reason. You were put here for a purpose. And the world certainly needs you right now. It's a great time for uh, future fit saints uh, to to become activated and to enact their Christian faith in the world. Um, best place to find us is always rebelnews.com. Um, you can find all of our content there. We're on all the major sort of socials, so Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, but rebelnews.com is your best bet to find out the latest stuff we're working on or follow me on Twitter, all that good stuff. Yeah. No,
0: amen to that, Adam, that, uh, be not afraid the great rallying call of, uh, the Pope of our, our youth is uh, St. John Paul II and, uh, an amazing example and, uh, yeah, an amazing call to action too, that, uh, let's all latch on to and, uh, and, uh, join together in this journey to eternity. Adam, thanks again. Let's, uh, let's stay in touch and uh, God bless you and what you're doing. For sure. Appreciate it. Thank you. Another big thank you to Adam Sos for joining us on this episode of the Catholic Connect Podcast. Again, that website is repairthechurch.com. It is an initiative that Rebel News uh, started and finished, and it's uh, just an outstanding story about how the church at the Satina First Nation got repaired. And uh, you can see more about that story at that website, and also you can donate as well. And uh, follow Adam, especially on Twitter. He's got a great account there, at A T S O O S that's Adam Sosa's uh, Twitter handle. And uh, you're going to love his content there. He's got uh, so much great uh, work that he's doing and uh, really fighting for freedom for uh, all people in Alberta and particularly out of Calgary where he's based. So invite you to, uh, to follow Adam and the good work that rebel news is doing. And I want to thank you for listening and joining us today on this episode of the Catholic connect podcast and to all our international listeners. Again, I just uh, thank you so much for listening Even outside of Canada, the Universal Church, it is truly global. And when I hear from so many of you from other countries, uh, it just uh, reminds me of how beautiful that unity is and uh, how we need to stick together and um, journey together. And that's going to be the most difficult journey of our lives, but it is going to be worth it at the end. Eternity in heaven, that's a beautiful place. So let's go there together and let's um, make sure we're supporting each other, bearing each other's burdens during this absolutely crazy time in this world and keep praying for each other and asking our Lord for the grace to recognize the opportunities to help others out and to also grow in an interior life and to pray and read scripture every day. Boy, that is so important that we keep growing, not staying in neutral or going backwards, but always taking steps towards heaven. So again, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and drop me a line anytime. Love hearing from you. And Catholics, you know what you need to do to live that life of purity and virtue and charity. you got to live in a state of grace. That means going to confession at least three times every year, every Advent, every Lent, and any time you are in a state of mortal sin. Don't even spend a second of your life there. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. God bless. We'll chat with you very soon.